0: Shut up, and sit down. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. You're tuned in to episode 101 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. My name's Daryl. I'm the host of this thing. Welcome back. If you've come before, and welcome if it's your first time, uh, it, we're just glad to have you and appreciate you tuning in. Now, I want to jump straight into the episode that we just recorded last week, which was episode 100. It was my first interview. It was with guest Jim Grice, who was amazingly generous with his time. And the interview i thought went really really well especially for my first time out of the gate i don't think jim's ever been actually on a podcast before and it was quite an impromptu thing I, we had been talking about it for some time but you know it was not like we rehearsed anything he didn't even see the questions and you know i just gave him a general outline of what i wanted to talk about but that wasn't the problem i thought we found our groove with the with the conversation the problem was with the audio i don't know if that was a you know a combination of factors or if it was in isolation a problem with the microphone or the laptop or the room but something happened when I uploaded it and the audio was terrible it was very quiet there was some distortion in the background I tried to fix that distortion uploaded the episode I think about four times and I just couldn't seem to get it right which was super frustrating so rather than bring you nothing I wanted to bring that show to you because I didn't know if I could correct the audio Again, I'm kind of running this whole thing you know, as a one-man band. I say we all the time, but it is just you know, me trying to do this thing. So those teething issues are obvious. I tried to correct it, but I'd rather get that show up there. And for those of you that have been listening, the numbers have actually been quite good. So I appreciate your engagement with that, and I promise we're going to get it sorted out. I'm looking into new equipment. I am looking at completely upgrading this thing because I just want... I want those margins for error to be as minimal as possible. And we're 100 shows in now, right? We're on episode 101 now. So it's critical that when I do impromptu interviews and do more of those, which is the hope, that we can can kind of fire those out in the same sort of quality that we've kind of figured out how to do just when I'm talking to you guys. So apologies, but thank you for those that have listened to it. I really enjoyed the conversation, and we will only get better from there. Um, so, obviously, it's been about two weeks since we did a sort of a current event or a, you know a week in review sort of show, and it's given plenty of time for things to transpire. Uh, but there's a few things that I wanted to talk about today, and they were of you know varying levels of interest, varying levels of severity but I think it's worth starting out with something that's happened uh, on Monday. So this show will come out on Thursday um, because we're recording it Wednesday evening as we normally do. We're back on that schedule now. Uh, but this happened on Monday and it was it was a shooting in, in California, uh, you know a mass shooting in California, another one, another one. But this was just very strange because it was, it was, a, it was a garlic festival, right? It was, it was a, like a local festival where some guy just rolls up, and apparently he was shot by the police within a minute, but still managed to... Well, when I checked, I mean, I haven't been on the story in a couple of days, but there was four or five, six dead... Another 15 or 20 injured. Um, and it just kind of... Again, it's just the division in America, the mental health crisis in America, the, the ease of access to high-powered, you know, army-caliber weaponry just is a terrible combination in a country that is so young so divided and has so many systemic issues that are corroding the most vulnerable people in that society I mean I I almost venture to say I can't believe we don't see more of these but if we saw any more I mean how many more can you have? There's literally one almost every single day in that country and this is you know well for now unless i've missed something over the past couple of days the latest one and i don't know a lot i don't know what to say about it other than how could this still be happening it's such a it's such an easy thing to fix other countries have done it other countries have reacted responsibly but it just seems to be a part of what growing up in America is now because you can't go to church, you can't go to mosque, you can't go to concerts, you can't go to festivals you can't go to, you know, you can't go to casinos, you can't go to these markets, it just seems like preschool anywhere, nightclub wherever, right? and it's just rampant and it's, and it's just a terrible thing and I just wanted to send my thoughts out to those affected by it because, again, this happened on Monday. We're Wednesday night, and I'm barely hearing about it. So it's, uh, it's, be- it's become all too commonplace. And I think that complacency in our, in our attention to, I guess, maintain a focus on issues that really matter is one of the reasons that people, governments, news agencies, whoever it may be, get away with the stuff that they get away with. Being non-factual, just telling lies, making accusations, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter because in a day it's gone. And the speed of the news is such that nothing really gains the traction that it should. I mean all you have to do is look at Trump's behavior. And how he keeps the news cycle moving in such a perpetual state of chaos that nobody actually can can latch on to anything. Because like, that's old news, right? Yesterday's news is old news. We're on to something else. Another tweet, another salacious story, another clickbait headline, whatever. And I just think, what is it going to take in America for them to sort their their gun laws out because it really is a matter of that they're not they're not really doing anything groundbreaking in terms of banning weapons and you know deepening the i know they've got deep background checks but still there are loopholes there are ways that people get their their hands on these guns there's no buyback programs there's you know seemingly nothing and the nra is just doing their thing i mean obviously they're struggling now because i think People are starting to wake up, but it's still a massive problem. And I say people, you know, starting to wake up. And that's, it's actually some of a running theme of the things that I wanted to talk about on the show today. Because recently it's come out, and again, this was earlier in the week, but this conversation around whether cannabis is going to be legal in the UK in the next 5 to 10 years and in my opinion rational thinking individuals are past this we don't we don't see this restrictive policy that's being upheld by the government of the UK to not step forward with any sort of Gusto Around Regulating for medical use Having a discussion around Recreational use Most rational people Are past this conversation They're they're past this discussion It's like gay marriage Or Learning about LGBTQ uh, Lifestyles Let's say In schools. Most rational individuals are not concerned about this. We're past this already. The fact that there's a religious argument that is even being considered for why LGBT lessons shouldn't be taught in school is about as hilarious as I can think of and as about as ironic as I can think of as well because they're very quick to lean on the tenets and the learnings of a religious doctrine, right? A book written over the course of hundreds of years, depending on what theocracy you look at, by a number of different people, in a, generally in a committee format, right? Picking and choosing what they want put in it to then be considered the quote-unquote gospel. For people putting so much of uh, their existence and their way of thinking and being Into something of fiction to then turn around and say I don't want anything being taught in the schools about this lifestyle choice you're choosing to think this way well you're choosing to believe that your religion is giving you the correct teachings in regards to alternative lifestyles who says your book is right? who says the way I'm feeling biologically if I'm a gay man or, you know, a gay woman or a trans person is incorrect. That's biological. That's how I'm feeling. You've made a choice to follow the tenets of that book, which have now informed your opinions about this subject, which is a biological subject. It's a physiological subject. It's not a religious subject. So I think it's really funny that When we talk about the legalization of cannabis, a plant that is naturally grown has been shown over and over again to have numerous benefits of varying degrees for varying ailments. The fact that we're even considering slowing down the process of getting this legislation through where cannabis can be prescribed by a doctor is ludicrous, we're way past this now. Most of us are way past this now. So you have a vocal minority speaking up and making noise to make it seem like there's this massive pushback against us making a progressive movement like legalization of marijuana or cannabis. Let's stay with that. But to, to not consider it, when you've got so many people that can be helped by it, that it can alleviate so much of the financial burden currently being experienced on the NHS. So much of the resource strain that's being put on non-violent offenders, young people of color, through cannabis-related offenses, the gang culture that goes along with that, that would be alleviated drastically with regulation of cannabis. The fact that we're not taking these considerations seriously and we can have these flippant responses back as a sensible rebuttal is asinine. We're past this now. You let people do what they want to do. You don't make it criminal when it shouldn't be criminal. You put your best people on it, medical minds on it. You get them liaising with other countries that have already progressed past this Roadblock that we seem to find ourselves facing, and that's why I'm really encouraged by people like David Lammy, who's an MP for uh, uh, I think it's Tottenham, and he is, or he was in Canada, touring the cannabis factories and the warehouses and things like that, talking to them about how they went through the legalization process, what we can learn from it, what we can, you know, what we can. Sort of steer clear of, you know, those teething issues that they've already gone through or are currently going through, we can learn from them. Which makes our road to the final path of of regulation and legalization much smoother, hopefully. But people who outright condone, like, just condemn it, those people, in a way, (laughs) don't really have a seat at the table because when you're talking about logical discourse you have to look at the facts, you can't bring your opinions into these conversations when you say that cannabis contributes to you know schizophrenia or psychopathy or any of these you know terrible afflictions that is a very general statement that you are not lending any evidence to could it contribute to the exacerbation of the effects of something like schizophrenia or psychopathy. You know, thats th- these sorts of ailments. Definitely. Does that mean it's inherently bad? No. Just like it doesn't mean that cannabis is the solution. CBD is the solution for everybody. Because it's not. But for some people, like... Alfie Dingley let's let's say, or is it Peter Dingley? Alfie? I'm gonna get their names wrong and I'm really sorry if they listen to this. Um, Billy Caldwell and uh, and Alfie Dingley, I believe uh, the boys' names are who are the most kind of notable um, the most notable characters in this story. You've got hundreds of thousands of people in this country that suffer from epilepsy alone that can be helped significantly, tremendously by the application of CBD oil. The fact that we export millions and millions and millions of pounds worth of medical-grade marijuana to other countries while not helping our own citizens is criminal. And the rest of us, if you ask the average person, we're past this. Just get it done. So, I'm really encouraged by, uh, by the MP from Tottenham uh, going out and getting involved, being on the front line and actually... Not letting bias step in the way of of evidence and and, and case studies. You know, going and seeing it for yourself. This is important. This is very, very important. And we need to get past this. So five to ten years, in my opinion, is the farthest target away that we should be looking for. We should be looking for like three to five years. If I was in government, that's what I'd be pushing for and coming with a plan for it. I mean, all you have to do is look at an organization like CLEAR. They set out a manifesto about this years ago. And it is, it's one of the best I've seen. It's one of the best I've seen. So we can use that as a blueprint coupled with the learnings and the teachings from other countries that are experiencing economic booms from it that are, you know, not seeing this massive uptick in addiction. And in fact, it's quite the opposite. We can look at Portugal who decriminalized all drugs. And what's happened to their crime rate. Versus what's happened to their rate of those in treatment. We're way past this. And we need to step into the 21st century and have a 21st century approach at dealing with things like crime. Dealing with things like addiction. Dealing with things like poverty. And socioeconomic cycles that are being perpetuated through a criminal justice system that is unfairly targeting portions of the population, we can do better than this, and most of us are past it. So, I just wanted to kind of update on that, because at least again now the conversation is happening. But what we need to do is we need to have the steam, when these conversations come come up, to not have them in isolation with what's happening at the current time. We need to be applying these to the other conversations like the young boys that have been on the television for the past couple of years about how it contributes to alleviating the side effects of an epileptic fit and the fact that you don't have to be hospitalized and treated with rounds of steroids. When you're nine years old, people with Parkinson's who can have CBD treatment and stop shaking within minutes, people who have cancer, who have symptoms alleviated, Their strength regained because they have the ability to eat after ingesting cannabis. I'm talking about the bare basics here, guys. And the rest of us who think rationally about this and believe that something like consuming cannabis should be a person's right and not something that they can be criminally prosecuted for, we're way past this. So that's all I wanted to say on that. What else are we talking about? We got plenty to talk about, guys. What else are we talking about? Oh, well, we got to talk about Boris, right? Fuck the government and fuck Boris, right? We've had, what, a week of him as PM now? Anybody lucky enough to catch his first address when he was taking the uh, prime minister's questions would have been amused, I think. That he, you know, but not surprised that he came with the gusto that he did, trying to invoke past PMs Churchill, with his, you know, oratory gesturing and, you know, his postulating to both sides of, and calling people out and, you know, all very, very well and good from a from an aesthetic point of view, and even myself watching it was like, oh, he's got some energy. This is different from the cardboard cutout we had representing us for the last five years or three years, whatever it was. Three years. You know, Theresa May might as well have been a cardboard cutout that you see in the movie theater. Right? Just standing there. So at least Boris Johnson seems like the pulse is that of a living person. And I suppose that's something to be encouraged about, but the negatives of a Boris Johnson prime ministership, or premiership, is not one that I'm enthusiastic about. The economic outlooks for the EU and the UK with a no-deal Brexit is catastrophic, which... Here's a little personal finance tip for you guys. If anybody owns a house out there and you can remortgage and lock into a fixed term, do it now. I'm telling you, you've got two and what do you've got? Two and a half months? What are we almost in? August, September, October. Like, let's call it three months. And if they walk out with no deal, you don't know what the hell is going to happen. You don't know what the Bank of England is going to do. You don't know what the IMF are going to do. You don't know what our, our credit rating is going to be reduced to. You don't know the recession that we're going to be plunged into. You know, Vauxhall are like, oh, we're, we're, we're thinking about leaving. We're thinking about leaving as well. You know, we have no idea what is going to happen. But there is going to be a significant drop in production. Currency value there is gun. There is going to be some hard times ahead and I suggest for any of you that are in a position to lock in as much of your financial commitments as possible do that now Then you know where you stand and when the interest rates of the banks go up and Things get a little tight at least you'll have that part of your budget sorted but I'm not I'm not optimistic about this man I think he is a disgusting human being, personally, from a personal perspective. I think his policies are flimsy at best, and I think he's more bravado than he is substance, because the fact of the matter is, he is facing exactly the same problem that Theresa May faced for the last three years, so don't be fooled by the first week in the job enthusiasm Because when it comes right down to it, the EU have already turned around and said, we are not negotiating a new deal. So that presumes, and if you're listening to some of the MPs who are in the Johnson government now, they are preparing wholeheartedly for a no-deal Brexit. In which case I say to you, get your house in order. Just a fair warning, because three months is going to go by like that and before you know it things are going to start and I don't want to be a doom and gloom guy I'm talking realistically here things are going to fall off of a shelf if you think they're not give me a reason why I am all ears do you think we have some burgeoning industry here that's going to save us when these massive factories and these job losses come out of our country to Europe or further afield where are they going to get made up by? It's precarious times that we're heading towards. And if there is an opportunity for you to lock in, go ahead and lock in. Because he's locking himself into Downing Street, and I don't expect a general election to happen, well, until after the Brexit deadline, at the very least. I mean, I mean maybe not, because if he, if he can't get Brexit done, then there's no way he can win a general election, so he'd probably be less likely to call one, right? Either way, him and the girlfriend are moving in. The girlfriend, the first girlfriend of the, of the country now, we didn't elect him at all, and he's bringing his mistress in with him, who's now his girlfriend, who's probably, probably going to split up with him in the next six months. Nah, she'll probably hold on to it now until he's fucking gone, so we'll see what happens. But anyways, moving on. I don't want to talk about Boris Johnson anymore. Um... What do we want to talk about? <clears throat> I mean, I could talk about Trump. I could talk about the fact that he said he could win Afghanistan in, in 10 minutes, but he doesn't want to kill 10 million people. So hes it's good to know that he's kind of against the genocide, but he's you know, just letting us know that he could cause a genocide in like 10 minutes, which sounds to me like he wants to drop a fucking nuke on something, you know? But, I mean, he's just frazzling out of control right now. The Mueller... We can talk about the Mueller testimony. I don't know if any of you guys are, like me are, you know, suckers for punishment, but I sat through it. I watched literally about four and a half hours of that testimony. And it was painful. It was painful to watch these dinosaurs ask questions, for this dinosaur to respond. You could barely hear anything. You got the Republican side of the of the house just making statements they're not even you know they're barely asking him questions at all and then you've effectively got the democratic side of the house just of the committee just praising him for his service and then asking him things that have been in the report and he hasn't even read the goddamn thing yet I mean, for, for, for a group of individuals that want a president out of the White House ASAP or to screw him so bad that he's got no chance in the next election of winning, they're doing a tremendously poor job of preparing. And this is really worrying. Because why would he not read the entire report at least once? What did he do? Just compile a bunch of notes and put them in a binder? Like, everybody hand in your homework. I'll file them. Oh, well, that's out of order. Or that's... You know, come on, man. He couldn't remember. He didn't write that part of the report. He didn't write some of the statements. The report is a damning piece of evidence. Multiple pieces of evidence. That absolutely show... That Donald Trump obstructed the investigation into the Russian interference in the U.S. elections. Categorically. And they are doing everything in their power to fuck this up. There are so many things that you can go after Donald Trump for. In terms of policy. I'm not talking about his character. His character shines through. And I think people actually see it now. I think they're starting to see what... An absolute bottom feeder he is, calling people clowns and scumbags, going after um, what's the guy's name? He's uh, like he started going after Baltimore, right, and how shit Baltimore was, and that you know the the chairman, uh, one of the one of the senators or whatever his name was. Let's see if I can find. It. I can't remember what his name was. Now, like, but Trump's going after Al Sharpton now. Uh, Elijah Cummings is is basically the, is the guy, right? So he he uh, represents Baltimore, and there's and Trump keeps saying how bad Baltimore is because of him, because of Elijah Cummings, because Elijah Cummings has come out and criticized Trump over his border, over. His behavior in general, he stood with Jerry Nadler and Nancy Pelosi and has basically condemned Trump for everything that he's been doing. Which a normal person would do. Especially if you had the authority of an elected official to the U.S. Senate, Congress, or whatever, right? So, Trump to me seems like he's sort of frazzled and coming to the end of his rope. I am going have got to remember, right? this is a guy who is mid-70s. He's in terrible shape. He's admittedly a TV junkie. We know the type of stuff he watches. So you can only imagine the... the McDonald's brain he's got as well, along with the McDonald's gut. And I think what we're doing is... what we're, what we're currently living through is a man becoming unhinged because of pressure and the stress of the job, but also because of his age and also because he probably knows if this keeps going, he's going to get fucked because it may not be while he's in the White House. But if he does not win the 2020 election, you will see that man in handcuffs within 12 to 18 months. I guarantee it. I'm just making a call on it now. And I wonder what the bookies are taking as odds on that. Trump to lose 2020 and to be arrested within, let's call it two years. I think you could get some decent odds on that. And I think it might be worth the punt. So let's have a look at that. Um, Anyways, I don't wanna talk about Trump either. You know, I wanted to talk about the Mueller hearing, but it was really just about how poor of a performance it was across the board. And really just highlights the dysfunction Of that political system and let's not forget in terms of history it is an infant still and currently it's going through you know it's sort of terrible twos or maybe it's a little bit older than that right let's call this little adolescence prepubescent stage things are going a little wrong it's got bad skin it's got a bit of bo going on right Voices changing, starting to go from this to this, you know, starting to be a paper or plastic kind of thing. You know, they're teething, they're growing up. And I think this Trump glitch is something they have to go through. But I do hope we get a bounce back pretty soon because I can't keep talking about this psycho. We got our own that I got to deal with now, which is hilarious, right? Because they're calling him Britain Trump. And Trump has actually said this in press conferences. He's like the people are telling me that they're calling him Britain Trump, so I'm sure we'll get along just fine. Maybe should, somebody should replay Trump that video of Boris Johnson that they had blasted onto, uh, they projected it onto Big Ben during sort of the final days of the leadership campaign. Or no, no, sorry, it wasn't that. It was when Trump came over for a visit. What am I talking about? <clears throat> Show him that one. But it's like if we have this, we have this magical like. Bracelet connected to America and it's it's America and the UK skipping happily down a rainbow road like, Get the fuck out of here, man. You got a couple of psychos running the place You expect something good to get done get out of here Anyways <laughs> What else do I want to talk about? Oh, we could give an idiot of the we could give an idiot of the month award away if that's a thing, you know? Maybe we should turn that into like a segment, Idiot of the Week or something. But the Idiot of the Week award from, I guess, the past couple of weeks was this woman in China that I saw online. Now, the picture that I saw of her was just her trapped in an escalator. And I'm like, how the hell does someone get trapped in an escalator? But once you read the article, you realize that this woman, this genius, actually removed the men at work like, barrier for the escalator. So, the escalator wasn't actually uh, working. It was just coming back online. So, it had some repairs, but the barrier was still up. So, she moved the barrier, got on the escalator. The escalator immediately fell through. The, like, the step that you step on immediately fell through. But it was moving. So, it dragged her leg in to the side where the mechanical bits are. Right? And... It trapped her leg in there and then continued moving, ripped her leg straight off her body. So, moral of the story is, guys, if there's a do not walk sign or maybe like a barrier stopping you from going up like a ladder or an escalator or into an elevator, maybe take the fucking stairs. I'm just saying, because that lady doesn't deserve her leg because she clearly Ignored the signs that told her it was not safe to get on that escalator, but she had to she had to move that she had to move that barrier She had to move that barrier and see if that barrier was actually telling the truth or if it was just there to fool her right if it was just there because they didn't want her riding the escalator and She found out quickly That that was not there for her entertainment. It was there for her protection So now that lady's got no leg, because she couldn't take the stairs. Now she can't take the stairs ever again. Or, if she can, it's gonna take her twice as long, because she's gonna have to hop up there with a prosthetic leg, or with one leg and crutches. So, great. So that's our Idiot of the Week Award. To that lady in China, congratulations. Next time, listen to what the barriers are telling you. What else? (laughs) What else? We're all over the place today. I love it. Um, Oh, (laughs) okay. So, so they found bones at the Vatican. Right? Now, a boy went missing in 1983. And so, the investigation has led to checking out a basement in the Vatican. What they found looking for this missing boy and any potential evidence or remains is a whole bunch of other bones. Basically a mass grave down there. And if any of those bones, so, so what they'll do is they'll run DNA tests, right? Or carbon dating or whatever they do. I'm not a fucking scientist. I don't know. But they will test how old those bones are presumably DNA testing or carbon dating or something like that. But my point is, if they find any of those bones are to to have been recent, you know, like 50 years or so to present, you got a major scandal on your hands. Now, this was news about a week and a few days ago. And there has not been a whisper of this since. So maybe we could get an update? Because I looked and I didn't find anything. So if anybody's interested in having a look into this, please tweet me an article or something like that because I would love to know where this investigation is, whether or not they found this little boy's bones down there or any remains or anything like that, and if they've started testing those other bones because, oh my word, this will be one of the biggest scandals in an already scandal-ridden... Pedophile. It's the world's biggest pedophile ringlet. Let's call it what it is. It's a systematic arrangement that the heads of the Vatican have with their priests, bishops, archbishops around the world, however that works, cardinals around the world, whatever, that when somebody is convicted or accused of sexually offending a minor, They do not punish him. They relocate him. Also, in the Vatican, there's the world's biggest bathhouse. Right next to basically the Vatican dormitories. So you can imagine all the beautiful, wonderful shenanigans that they get up to in there. I'm just saying. Anybody that wants to debate me on the fact that the Catholic Church is effectively a pedophile ring, I would love to have that conversation with you. But if we're going to be honest, let's call a spade a spade, let's say what it is, and that is exactly what it is. Have they done absolutely no good for the world? No, I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that you can't say, oh, we're a charitable organization, but we're also the biggest pedophile ring in the world. It doesn't work, it doesn't wash, and it doesn't equate. So all I'm saying is, let's call it what it is, and let's get some fucking DNA tests done on these bones, because I'd love to see what's in there, who knows how bad that could be. But if they find that little boy's body down there, or anything to do with that little boy, good lord, they're gonna have to do some major PR work to keep that under wraps. I think that would be, I think that would be one too big for them, if I'm being quite honest. Um, but this is already dating back to 1983. This is when the little boy they're looking for now went missing. So I'm saying, let's put it back 50 years. Right? Let's put it back 60 years. Let's just start testing the bones and see what the see what see what it brings up. Could be much worse than that. But we need to find out more, and that is one of those kind of news stories that was there but then it was gone. So maybe I need to do a little research on that. And you guys could hit me up if you find anything as well. Um, maybe we'll have an update for you next week on, on anything that we do find. Um I don't know what else to talk about. There is a couple other things that I had on my mind that I wanted to talk about. <clears throat> One was uh, this documentary that's come on Netflix, and if you guys haven't seen it, you need to, in my opinion, you need to make it a massive priority in terms of viewing. So if you're tied into a series, if you're watching Stranger Things, or you're still on Narcos, or whatever your whatever your bag is, if you have a smartphone. You have a Facebook account, you have a Twitter account, an Instagram account, WhatsApp, Snapchat, whatever, email, whatever, right? If you live in this world, you've got one of those services, which you probably do. You want to have a look at this documentary, okay? And the reason that you want to have a look at this documentary is because it's so goddamn accurate. It's so goddamn accurate, and it's so distressing if you give a shit at all about the protection of your data. And I talked about this on episode 99 or 98. And I said, listen, we need to be more aware of what people are doing with our data, how we're being targeted for it, how they're making money from it, and what we get in compensation for giving that data away for free. I do not want to equate this to slavery at all. I'm just using the same word. We need reparations for our data. Every person in the world needs reparations for their data. Because it's off of that data that these, what are they like kleptocracies? You know, Facebook. There's no competition to Facebook. There's no competition to Google. Microsoft's the biggest company in the world. Apple, second, third biggest company in the world. Come on. Monopolies are one thing. These are a lot bigger than that. And so, if you have not seen The Great Hack, is it called the? I think it's called The Great Hack. It's, it's called The Great Hack. It's come on Netflix about a week ago. It is well worth a watch, and then it's worth a watch again, okay? It uncovers how Cambridge Analytica was responsible, directly responsible, with consultation by Trump on one hand, the Brexit campaign on another, Boris Johnson, people like this, and how it directly impacted the results of both Brexit and the 2016 election. Now, I, once I saw this, I was like, oh, how come we're asking any other questions? Why are we not just asking these questions? But again, you see, these, you, you see these news cycles, and they touch nothing upon the actual substance and nuance of the story. It takes a documentary like this, and people will brush this off. They'll be like, ah, yeah, yeah, but who cares? I've got nothing to hide. I don't care. You're being manipulated. You're being experimented on. How does that make you feel? Oh, it doesn't really bother me. Okay, cool. Well, you're a motherfucking sheep already then. And if you're one of them, and if you're listening to this right now, and you're one of them, then you deserve everything that this shit brings. I have no illusions that our privacy is going away. But I have every intention of fighting that erosion of of privacy. I have every intention of fighting that as much as I can. I will actively spend time every time I visit a website not to give big data companies my data. Even though I know they still get it. Even though I know this, this podcast is being recorded both on my laptop and on my phone and on my other laptop at the moment and most likely on my tv as well because that's got a fucking microphone also but the way they do this individual targeting for political disruption is one thing and you've got to listen to my interview try to turn the sound up loud on episode 100 because jim and i talk about this we talk about how journalists can try to maintain integrity and how truth can cut through all of this nonsense that we're fed every single day the things you see on Facebook are put there purposely because you they know you'll click on it and that's all they care about and if that has a transitory effect to how you vote in the ballot in the ballot box then how much more powerful is their data and how much more powerful can they sell it as Because they are, they are. Amazon has a data deal with the CIA guys. You don't think that every single delivery is tracked, you don't think every browsing session is tracked, you don't think every movie you watch is tracked. If you buy groceries from them, if you've got a Ring doorbell or Ring products like I fucking do, like they've got cameras all over my house, you don't think they're tracking the inside of my house? Come on, guys. Roomba. You know Roomba? Those vacuum cleaners that you just press play on and they just vacuum the, the house on their own. They're like a little robot that's guided by like the perimeter of your house. That data was being sold. in Without any, um, any sort of agreement with the user, they were taking the data that they mapped from your house and selling it. Oh, well, what does that matter? Well, it doesn't, really. Except it does, because you didn't tell them they could. So if you haven't watched this documentary, The Great Hack, you need to pay some... You need to give it your time. You need to pay attention. Especially those of you who have kids or who are thinking about having kids. Because by the time they get to our age, this is gone. So how are they going to be protected from it? Because if we're not protected, if we don't have any privacy, then that means the most capable or the one with the most money, which is generally the same thing, can manipulate our lives, our data, our records of our life at their whim. I implore you to watch this. I implore you to do a little bit of research on what deepfakes are. On what voice manipulation actually looks like these days. And now, have a think about this. That if a company, just for shits and giggles, right? For no other reason than that. Don't even think about it in a deeper context. But say a company just wanted to fuck with somebody. So they deepfake your face onto somebody's body. Posing... As someone who's having an affair with another woman. And then that video gets accidentally sent to your wife's phone. Now what? Oh well Daryl, you're taking that very far. Okay, cool. So you go you go to fill out some health insurance. And you fill out your survey, you do your assessment, you're generally considered to be healthy, but They now have access, this health company now actually has access to your social media data, and they see a video of you smoking on a beach in Thailand two, three years ago, and they say, oh, you said you were a non-smoker on your application, but we see here that you are. Oh, and we actually see that you drink excessively, and you say you drink moderately, so we're not going to be able to insure you. We're not going to be able to give you an insurance policy. Or if we do, maybe the rates are so high that it becomes a burden of an expense. Or, I don't know, you use your fucking imagination. I'm not here to be the one that manifests all of these examples. What I'm saying is, you don't know what they are going to use your data for. You don't know how they'll manipulate it. You don't know the consequences. To which you might, it might affect your life. And all I'm saying is to just give it away day after day. I'm going to keep rhyming. (laughs) Is, is, is a stupid, foolish choice. And I think we should be fighting back against anybody that wants our data whatsoever. And guys, I'm in this industry. I count on your data to make money. It's a big part. It, in fact, it's a huge part of what I do every day. And I'm not talking about the podcast. I'm talking about the job that I have is in the in the nine to five. All I do is analyze data. All I do is use targeting to feed you the right message at the right time in the right place. And that's called smart advertising. What it is is manipulation. Manipulation that tries to force consumerism. Or, if you go down the more nefarious route, then you're talking about the things that we've discussed about Facebook and political manipulation and voter suppression and things like that. So, you get what the documentary is about, obviously, now. And I haven't really given any spoiler alerts because anybody that thinks even a little bit about this subject will already know a lot of this... Is going on. They'll already know the Amazon CIA connection. They'll already know the Facebook data sale. They'll already know about how they manipulate your news feeds and they conduct these experiments on your news feed. This has all come out. This is only a couple of years ago in the news, guys. But all that being said, you still need to watch The Big Hack because it is one hell of a documentary and I'll be watching it again for sure. <laughs> the um, the last thing the last thing I want to talk about to me is fucking hilarious but it's also got a kind of a kind of a nasty side to it and what I'm talking about is something that's happened in British Columbia and Canada over the past I think this happened like maybe a week or two ago um, so I'm going way back but it's worth talking about because it shows the absurdity of the equal rights movement or the ultra-progressive movement, right? And you may have heard about what I'm going to tell you. And if you have, you can switch off and I'll see you later. So in Canada, in British Columbia, there's a woman called uh, Jessica Yanov. Now Jessica is actually a um, a transgender woman, and just to remind everybody that may be confused or convoluted on how this works, transgender woman is a man that identifies as a lady, right? So Jessica Yanov <coughs> is actually Jonathan Yanov, right? But Jonathan identifies as a woman and therefore goes by Jessica. Now Jessica still has her cock and her testicles fully in place so her identifying as a woman is is a choice that Jonathan made because of how he feels inside and you know all of the other complicated you know emotions and thoughts that go with that Jonathan now is Jessica and Jessica is a trans right activist and all those things are great, okay, cool. If you want to identify as a woman, great. If you've got a, a big hairy chest and you know a huge sack and a cock on you, but you feel like a daisy, then great. If you feel like a squirrel, I don't care. You could feel like my recycling bin, I don't care. Now, where I do care is when it starts to affect other people. And this is where the story comes from. The story comes from Jonathan, who is now Jessica. So we'll refer to Jonathan as Jessica for, let's call it some continuity. So Jessica walks into a uh, into a salon and wants a waxen. And Jessica is dressed up like Jessica does, right? All female, all everything. Except when she goes to the appointment, she doesn't inform that she's still got male testicles. And as such, the female esthetician who performs hair removal, waxing and other procedures on female clients, refused to wax Jessica's nuts. Can't do it. I don't provide that treatment. Okay. So Jessica kicked up a fuss and went to another esthetician beautician whatever you want to call them and asked for the same thing to occur okay can I get a wax done sure sorry I do female hair removal only I do not wax nut sacks okay so now it's becoming a problem because You see here what's going on, is that Jessica identifies as a woman. So therefore, to Jessica, she's a woman. However, to the female beauticians, estheticians, when you pull out a three-piece set, when you pull out your dick and your balls and you say, can you wax me? That's not waxing a woman in those woman's eyes and I say to those women correct that's a dude pretending to be a woman now he might identify as a woman but biologically he's not a woman now it goes a little deeper because what you've got is a private business here who have the right to refuse custom at any time at their discretion right you can refuse service to somebody if they come into your store without a shirt on or without shoes on you can do that right there was there was a case in America where the bakers didn't want to make a gay cake, and they, that's okay. They can do that. They're private business owners. They can make that decision themselves. And so can these women who are refusing to wax Jessica's nuts, okay? So what Jessica did was go to the Human Rights Council and say this is a violation of my human rights. I identify as a woman. They have violated my rights by refusing to give me gender-affirming treatments. That's what, that's what she called it. Gender-affirming treatments. So I can only feel... I identify as a woman, but I really need to get my nuts waxed and that's going to really make me feel like a woman. I need a Brazilian. That's going to make me feel girly, for sure. And now that they've refused that treatment, I feel less of a woman and my human rights have been violated. So now this is going into a human rights appeal. And a court case where it's going to take up taxpayer money, it's going to take up time, uh, unnecessary stress and pain for the people who were just doing their job. And expect when a woman comes in for a Brazilian wax that she has a pussy, not a cock. It's really quite that simple. But just to give you a flavor of this, Jessica Yanov, right? And please, I implore you, please go and have a look at the Twitter account because the Twitter account is beautiful. It's just gold. She retweets things like and responds to things like this. They should, one of her followers says, They shouldn't offer a service for women if they are going to refuse women only because they're anti-LGBT bigotry. This is not complicated. Gender-affirming care is a human right. You literally want to trample on the LGBT community's human rights, which all consider hateful. Jeske Yanov sends a big old bingo back to that comment. And this is the problem with the trans movement at the moment because you can't just flip it. In my opinion, you can identify as you want, but you do not automatically assume everybody else has to feel and identify the same way you do. I'm sorry, it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Because we know biologically that if you've got a set of balls and a cock instead of a pussy, you're a guy. Now again, if you want to if you want if you feel like you're, you know, a cute little bunny rabbit, if you feel like, you know, if you feel like an armadillo, I don't care. But you don't just get to assume that everybody has to fall in line with your thinking. It just doesn't work like that. And so what this does is cannibalizes the whole cause, right? Because as the LGBT community is trying to make strides in a lot of the right direction for equality of, you know, opportunity and all of the things that you're trying to fight for. You get this idiot that comes along and says, I need a waxing and if you don't do it, you're violating my human rights. I mean, she's a horrendous... Uh, and I almost feel stupid even bending to call this woman a woman. Because it's like, if you're all the way there, then go ahead. Do the full surgery. And I know there are varying degrees of how somebody can be, you know, considered one gender or another. You know, you, you look at Samania, the South African runner, and, you know, she's got female genitalia but she's also got testicles inside her so it can be a tricky one but when you've got a full cock and balls and you know with all due respect look like Jessica Laniv I mean give me a break editor-in-chief of trustednerd.com model product reviewer digital marketing expert LGBTQ2SIA and human rights activist Give me a fucking break. Her pinned tweet is one is is this. One proud lesbian. I'll never give, give up fighting for human rights equality. What about the right to refuse somebody? Why is it that we have to be all the way acceptance? All the way accepting of you and what is clearly a mental dysfunction because what you don't read about jessica laniv is apparently they found child pornography on her computer so we're going to go down that rabbit hole as this thing progresses but i just wanted to turn you guys on to this nonsense that is absolutely Corroding discourse because she'll be one of the loudest voices, right? She'll scream all over, you know It's like this fat model that was in the um, Miley Cyrus video trying to call Pierce Morgan Grotesquely obese when she's sitting there at five foot two almost 400 pounds with a BMI of like 65 I mean she's close to death like stop saying the what if yeah, but what about you? That's garbage man take some fucking accountability for yourself And if you want to actually go down for the cause then go the whole way if you're a woman then go ahead and make it so. But you cannot argue with me on biology. You just can't. Not where sex and gender is considered. I'm sorry, but if you want to ide- you can identify as anything you want. But if I got a daughter and I see you pissing next to her in a toilet, looking at her in any sort of way, that's a problem. That's a fucking problem. And we gotta stop bending to every crazy out there just because they got a thought and her opinion on something. Right? Let it come out that this motherfucker's got child porn on his computer. Let's see how many people stand with him. The fanatics will, but this is nonsense. You walk into a beautician's and say, wax me, give me a Brazilian, here's my nutsack for you. you goddamn right those women had every right to tell you to get the fuck out and refuse you. And the fact that you're taking them to a human rights council or tribunal now just shows what a social justice, virtue signaling idiot you are. And you're all about that victim culture because all I got to do is look at you for half a second and I can read all of your woes. All of your woes. And let me scroll down your Twitter feed for half a minute and that'll tell me the rest. So be aware, guys, because Canada's on the forefront of this crazy. Making, you know, making pronouns that are not adhered to a, uh, like a criminal act. It's nonsense. So just beware, man. Because this shit is starting to get out of control. And we can't let people like Jessica Lanov run the, the, the commentary on any of these issues. Because the motivations are purely selfish. Human rights activists. Yeah, LGBTQ of Twitter. Calling herself the queen of Twitter. Get out of here, man. So... I don't know, what else? We've done an hour. Should we should we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. Okay. Whew, lots in there. I barely took a breath. Right. This is gonna be out on Thursday morning for you guys. Um We'll be back next week. I might knock a couple of these out. I might start getting a little uh a little backlog going. If they're not so topical and so time sensitive, I might do a I might do I might bank a couple of these and it just you know, just keeps me going, man. I love doing these shows, and like I said to you before, I could probably do one every day, but I'm sure nobody wants to listen to my voice every single day. Um, so <laughs> let's, um, let's pack it in. I'll see you guys next week, but thank you so much for tuning in. As always, you can get us on SoundCloud, you can get us on iTunes, you can get us on Spotify. Please send us some love, some feedback, some, uh, you know, download and subscribe there, all that good stuff. It really helps. Um, You can always follow us on Twitter. We're at Loud. You'll know us. We've got the coffee mug on the table. That's our logo. So get us on any one of those platforms. And uh, and I hope you guys come back soon. So thanks so much for listening. This is episode 101, and we're going to keep this train moving. So I love you guys. I appreciate you. And uh, until next time, all the best.